Hello and welcome back to Hayden's Entertainment Hour. And yes, today we are going to be talking about some movies that I recently saw in theaters for a quickie podcast. If you guys don't know what my quickie podcasts are, usually they're just quickie thoughts on movies that came out recently that nobody reached out to talk with me about. And usually these in-depth analysis of these movies aren't usually that long. They're about five to ten minutes in length. But the big kicker for this quickie podcast is a lot of these movies I will have a little bit more to say than I have the normal because they are still fresh in my memory, most of them at least. And one thing that I have to say before getting into this quickie podcast is I have a couple of announcements that I want to go over for the podcast that will be going into the fall. So first off, one of the biggest announcements is yes, me and Fahrenheit are collabing on a Better Call Saul retrospective podcast where we will be going over mainly season six and how the show ended, but also talking about our love of Better Call Saul, how much we love and appreciate Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould, and just how this show has managed to not only surpass Breaking Bad, but might be considered one of the greatest television shows of all time. I digress. That podcast will be coming out soon. We're taking our time to rewatch season six, jot down some notes, and think out our thoughts so that way we can go into it with a fresh, clean mind. Kind of like, you know, we've done in the past because Thor Love and Thunder was a bit of a mess. We were trying to throw things together, but I promise this time around it's going to be a really good podcast. Number two, going into the fall, I don't know if a lot of you guys feel the same way about me. There's not a whole lot to talk about right now. Like, there are a couple movies coming out that have piqued my interest. Olivia Wilde's new movie with Florence Pugh I definitely want to talk about with someone if they're interested. Halloween Ends is definitely one on the docket, and I'm looking for somebody to talk about that movie with because I'll just say Brian does not seem to want to come back for the podcast, which I completely respect. So I will be looking for somebody else to talk about that movie. There's also some indie films and some Oscar Beatty films that are around the corner. Another thing that I wanted to announce that I don't know if anybody will have interest in I would love to hear your guys' top 10 best and worst movies that came out this year. As a lot of you guys know, at the end of the year, I tend to do a top 10 best and top 10 worst movies of the year. However, this time I am open to being like, hey, you know what? I want you guys to share your thoughts on what the top 10 best and worst movies are, and I will put them in the podcast at the end of the year where I go over mine. So if you have any interest in that, feel free to DM me, let me know on Discord or something like that, and just let me know if you'd like to be a part of this experiment because... I think it would be really cool to hear you guys' feedback on what you thought the top 10 best and worst movies of the year were. But anyways, I digress. That's all of the announcements that I have for today. Let's go over the quickie movies that are in the podcast. So I finally saw Marcel the Shell with shoes on after searching around for a theater that was showing it, and I will admit this is probably the cutest movie I will see this year. Marcel the Shell with shoes on is by no means a movie that's groundbreaking in any way besides the fact that it took years to make because of all the hard stop motion. It definitely is a passion project from Dean Fleischer Camp and Jenny Slate, and you can tell that the two of them really wanted this project to stick with people and be a memorable little kids film because A24 as a company mostly kind of appeals to like a teenish adult demographic and... It has been a long time coming for them to finally make maybe kids films and stuff, and this is the perfect little kids film to come out. Sure, it's not going to hold every little kid's attention because it does get a little bit more serious at times than most kids films, but I will admit, as it stands, this is still one of the better films that's come out this year. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On has a lot of heart to it. It has a simple little plot about a shell trying to find his family, and the entire way through it has a lot of fun little jokes. Whether they take advantage of the fact that Marcel is very small and so something large is a little bit odd to him, how he looks at little household objects and sees them as different from how us humans do about the way him and his grandma are able to go around and garden and do different things so that way they have a food income and system i mean it's just all this beautiful little story that unfolds in front of you and you just can't help but sit there and smile at it yeah sure i will admit it does get a little bit too cutesy at times and there are some jokes that didn't land for me but i do understand that the point of it is that it's supposed to be a really wholesome journey for marcel i also got to admit the soundtrack choices in this were pretty great 
there's not only some original scores in this that were some really nice beats that you could throw on a stunning music, but the original tracks that it did pick from the movie of certain songwriters and stuff really did work for what the movie was going for. I will not lie, there is one scene in this movie where Marcel is singing at a funeral that I honestly think was one of the greatest momi, uh, <laughs> momi, movie moments that I've seen this year. I genuinely really did love that scene. I will say there's not really a whole lot to say about this movie besides I would definitely recommend it and I would definitely say see it this year if you want a really cute kids film that's probably the best kids film this year and just a really great movie in general. I gave it an 8 out of 10 and I would definitely recommend. So I just saw the brand new Ryan Reynolds movie Bullet Train. Okay, in all seriousness, yes, I did see Bullet Train with Brad Pitt. This is by no means a bad movie in any way, shape, or form. It's just kind of an extremely messy movie. Now, here's the thing about David Leitch as a director. He's a guy that I don't particularly love as a director, but I will admit I do like the action in his movies. Like Hobbs and Shaw, Deadpool 2, and Atomic Blonde all have great action in those movies, but the one thing that always seems to hold back David Leitch is just everything else. Whether it comes down to the story, the directing, the way that he engages with characters, I don't know. It just feels like the man is kind of missing that extra piece as a director to actually come full circle. Like, the action in his movies, like I said, are all great, and this movie is no exception. Like, there are legit some great action sequences in this movie. It's just a shame that it feels like he's kind of missing the extra piece to be considered a good director, because this movie falls apart in a lot of different areas in plot and character, but I'll get into that in a little bit. I do want to compliment the movie, though, because I was actually annoyed by the trailers of this movie. Like, yes, I go to theaters a lot. I see a lot of movies. It almost felt like every week it felt like over the summer I was going to the movie theater. Luckily, this summer, there's been less movies coming out that have interested me, so I've kind of saved a lot of money going to the theaters. But I will admit, every time I was in theaters, I would see a trailer for this thing, and I would just go... Uh, I don't know, this looks kind of annoying, but I had three friends that were really down to go see this, so I decided to just pay for our tickets and go and see it, and I will admit, I had a fun time with it for the most part, I didn't feel like I wasted my money in any way, shape, or form, so it's definitely a movie that you're not going to feel like was a big waste of time. Now let's get into the compliments of this movie. First off, like I said, the action of this is great. Whether David Leitch uses elongated action sequences or short burst action sequences, there are definitely action sequences in this movie that are really well utilized. I think my favorite short action scene of the movie was between Brian Tyree Henry and Brad Pitt in The Quiet Car. Honestly, I thought that was one of the funniest scenes in the movie, but it also really worked with the choreography and what they had to do in that sequence. I think the best elongated one is towards the ending with the father-son character taking out all of these goons. I also thought it was kind of fun to watch Brad Pitt just try to be a pacifist the entire time, the entire run of the movie, and watching him fail at it and people dying in front of him was just kind of hilarious. And I will admit, too, the comedy of this thing is quite refreshing. Like, I've seen so many Marvel movies as of recently to where I just kind of roll my eyes every time they make a joke that's super cringy. Like, most Marvel movies are written by, like, 40-year-old men that have no idea what's funny and trendy to kids, whereas this movie kind of embraces that a little bit. Like, it talks about kind of a niche subject matter, like Thomas the Tank engine, but it writes it in a really funny way. Like, every time Brian Tyree Henry would bring up a Thomas the Tank Engine reference, I would kind of laugh at it, because there's the childhood part of me that's like, oh, I remember Thomas, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like it's forced as much, and I kind of love that. There are some jokes in here that aren't great, though, and I will admit, some of it can be a little bit cringy to other people, which I completely understand, but the comedy to this was at least a little bit more refreshing, even if some bits go on too long. Now, another thing I want to give the movie compliments for is that I think there are some fun characters in this movie, 
movie. First off, Brad Pitt as Ladybug, I think, is a fun character, but I have a problem with it, which I'll get into a little bit later. The two best characters in this movie are Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Tyree Henry as Lemon and Tangerine. These characters are so much fun, and if they honestly got their own spinoff, I wouldn't be mad because they're just that much fun. I also thought characters like the White Death were kind of fun to watch Michael Shannon show up with a big poofy wig and a samurai sword at the ending. I thought the father and son character were really good. Joey King, who I don't particularly love as an actress, I thought was pretty good in this. I mean, just for the most part, I was impressed with the casting overall and the characters of the movie. Now, I have to get into my gripes a little bit with this movie because I will admit, like I said, it's a fine action movie, but it just feels like it's kind of missing every other piece overall. Let me explain. So first off, the plot of this thing is supposedly just supposed to be the most simple quote-unquote thing on the planet. Brad Pitt is trying to sneak a case that is owned by a mafia boss off of a bullet train, but he keeps running into different inconveniences and people that are trying to take the case from him, so it just becomes this elongated action movie about Brad Pitt failing to get off a bullet train. Now, one thing that I will say about the plot of it at first is I liked it when it was just very simple. It was Brad Pitt trying to sneak off a case and bad guys that also want this case are trying to stop him, but then it becomes a lot of other things. Like, first off, Joey King is in this movie, and I will give a minor spoiler with her character. She is connected to the White Death Michael Shannon character in this movie because she is the daughter of him, and she has a revenge plotline in the movie where she wants to rig the case with explosives to kill her father, so she utilizes the son character that also has a plotline in the movie that's connected to Joey King because Joey King pushed her son off a roof. Yeah, you're starting to see where this gets a little complicated, right? And he wants to get revenge on her, but he can't because she's, she is holding him hostage by taking him as the victim that will blow up her father. Then there is the father character of the son character in the movie that also wants revenge on the White Death for killing his family a long time ago. And then there is Brian Tyree Henry and Lemon's character that are transporting the White Death's son in the case but they are also connected to the White Death in some way because it turns out a couple years earlier they murdered a bunch of the White Death's army at a compound. And then there's another character in Bad Bunny that is connected to this case in this train because he had a wedding that was poisoned by another character played by Zazie Beetz that's called the Viper, I think. I don't remember what her name was. And the Viper is on this train because she was promised her money and she also ended up poisoning the surgeon of the White Death's wife during the operation. Oh my god, do you see where this plot starts to get stupid? So look, this this movie would have been fine if it was like John Wick where it just had a central storyline because think about it. John Wick's central storyline is that a group of Russian mobsters broke into his house, murdered his dog, and all he wants is revenge. Bullet Train all the plot for this thing had to be was Brad Pitt is trying to sneak a case off a train and he keeps getting stopped by other people that want this case. It works so simply, but when you overstuff the plot with so much stupid shit and other plot lines, it honestly becomes nauseating and it just feels convoluted for no reason. Hell, there are plot lines in this that feel like they don't even affect the movie whatsoever. Like, if you cut out Zazie Beetz's character and Bad Bunny, it does not change anything in this movie. You could even write their character traits into other characters in this movie, like Lemon and Tangerine or even Joey King's character, and it would literally change nothing. I mean, these characters feel so useless in the long run. I also will admit, when Michael Shandon just starts explaining how everything ties together at the ending, it felt like the worst exposition way to do it possible because I was just rolling my eyes going, we already connected these damn dots. Why are you talking to the audience as if they don't know this already? It just really irked me the way that it had some of the decisions in this movie. Now, my biggest issue with this movie and the joke that I made at the beginning of this review is that this movie feels like it was written for Ryan Reynolds. 
Let me explain. So you know how Ryan Reynolds' comedies are kind of written in a way to where a lot of the dialogue and jokes cater to, like, his style of comedy? That is the script of this movie. And the reason that I say that is because Ryan Reynolds, spoiler alert, has a cameo in this movie where there's this joke about this other hitman that called off sick, and Brad Pitt will constantly bring it up, be like, fuck this guy, fuck this Carver guy, and it's revealed in a small little twist reveal at the ending that it turns out Ryan Reynolds was this Carver guy. It's a minorly funny joke, but I will admit it does just kind of reinforce the big problem of this movie, that the script felt like it was for Ryan Reynolds, and then he shows up and you go, oh... So even Ryan Reynolds was in on this joke, and Brad Pitt took it to even reinforce the joke. Okay, I'm not sure I like that. Like, Brad Pitt is doing a fine job with this script, I would say, and he does a fine job trying to deliver these jokes, but just a lot of the jokes in the movie scream of Ryan Reynolds, and he can't carry some of those jokes sometimes in the movie, so it does feel very hit or miss. I do wish that Ryan Reynolds would have just owned up and taken this script, but I also understand Brad Pitt wanted to do something fun after Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so I completely understand him trying to have fun with a script like this. It just doesn't always work as well as it probably would have with Ryan Reynolds, even though some people would argue that if Ryan Reynolds was in this movie and the main character, it probably would have been a lot worse, which I can definitely see that argument too, because I will admit I have not liked a lot of Ryan Reynolds movies as of recent. Now, my final big complaint with this movie, and one that's probably going to be kind of nitpicky a little bit, is the CGI of this thing. I don't know if Sony just has like the worst VFX team on the world, or if they just get underpaid so the VFX team does not care to churn out actually good-looking VFX, but I saw Uncharted earlier this year, and it looked like dog shit. I've seen Bullet Train now, and it also did not look very good in the VFX department. Any green screen in this movie just looks laughably terrible, and it amazes me considering Sony is like a mostly wealthy company, and it feels like they should be getting to a point now where they have a good VFX department. I don't know what the hell's going on there, but all I have to say is the VFX in this movie did kind of look like shit. But other than that, I will say Bullet Train is a fun ride, no pun intended. I will admit if you go to the theaters to see it, it's not going to be a waste of money. You'll be entertained for two hours and two minutes. I will admit this is a fine little action movie. I gave it a six out of ten. I'm going to leave it at that for now. So I just saw the brand new A24 film Bodies, 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 and I will admit this movie is just fine. It's kind of one of the lesser memorable A24 films, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. So here's the thing. I'm a big A24 show. I tend to like most of their movies. I mean, I am somebody that will defend a movie like The Green Knight that people call boring and will point out why it's not boring and how it's actually really engaging. I thought Everything Everywhere All at Once was the best movie to come out in the past few years and honestly the greatest movie still that's come out this year. I mean, they make some bangers, but they also do miss a lot. Zola is not a great movie and I did not love it. Tusk is a horrible fucking movie and I cannot believe they even greenlit that. Mid-90s felt like this pretentious little passion project. Men also kind of felt like Alex Garland was very full of himself. I don't know. It just feels like at times A24 can miss and I will point out when they do miss. Now, this one isn't necessarily completely a miss. It just kind of feels like in execution, it's not really as great as what it's trying to be because it's a quote-unquote horror movie about somebody getting murdered in a house and them trying to figure out who done it because the game of Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is that somebody who is the killer draws an X and they go around touching people on the back and once they, somebody discovers a corpse, they scream Bodies, Bodies, Bodies and all the people come in the room and try to figure out who did it. However, it's taken up a notch and somebody is actually murdered in this game and so they're trying to figure out who the actual killer is amongst this group of friends. Now here's the thing about the movie itself. 
it's written in a way to where it feels like the most Gen Z movie this year because a lot of the dialogue is very Gen Z. A lot of the way they interact on social media is very Gen Z. A lot of the comedy is very Gen Z. I will admit, if you are not born in Gen Z, you may not love this movie because I will admit, a lot of A24 films as of recently have been trying to appeal towards that Gen Z demographic. It's not a bad thing because it is kind of one of their core audiences that they need to appeal to, but it also does feel like a lot of this movie is very cringely written because there are a couple jokes in this that did not land for me at all. There are a couple sequences in this that where I genuinely was dead face silent. Like it's supposed to be a funny scene, but I did not laugh at it. But I will admit when there is good comedy in there, I actually do have to give them compliments for that. Like Pete Davidson has a very minor role in this thing, but he is still really effectively funny. I really like Lee Pace in this too. I thought he had a really funny sequence in the movie, but the standout, the funniest characters in, in this entire thing was Rachel Sennett's character. I really loved everything about Rachel Sennett's character in this movie. I love how she cries and tries to say the funniest dialogue on the planet. It felt like she looked at the script and said, okay, every time I have to get emotional in this, I'm just going to make it be the funniest fucking delivery on the planet intentionally. And that's great. She does a great job in this. But the standouts of the movie for this for me are Maria Bakalov and Amanda Stenberg. I thought they were the core crux of this movie. They have the core relationship of this movie. But the movie itself also kind of has some flaws within focusing on this relationship because the movie doesn't really do a great job at getting you invested into the characters' backstories, the emotional stakes of the movie, or even the live love triangle that it tries to focus on in the movie. I tried my hardest to look around these flaws when I was watching the movie, but once the third act comes around and it kind of reveals this twist that is a hilarious joke, it just kind of reinforced the problems with the movie more because the problem with this movie also is that every other character besides the characters that I named, I couldn't name you a single memorable trait about, and that's kind of the most boring part of this movie is that we're supposed to care about these characters and we can't because we don't really have any motivation or reason or background to care about these characters and so it just becomes kind of somewhat a boring experience like sure you're on the edge of your seat trying to figure out who this killer is by the ending so was i but there are just moments in this movie where it does get very boring because it doesn't do enough to get you invested into these characters and that's kind of one of my biggest issues like i said the comedy is hit or miss for me but i think the biggest issue too is once the ending comes around with a third act it's either going to make you roll your eyes and go that's it or you're just going to sit there and be like okay that's a funny joke it's just the payoff is not really that great and that's kind of the issue with this a24 craze as of right lately i have not loved a lot of their more recent movies that have come out. I mean, I did just talk about Marcel the Shell, but that's a movie that technically came out last year that's getting released now in the U.S. And Men, like I said earlier, was kind of a movie where it felt like Alex Garland was full of himself. I liked X, don't get me wrong, but it's not exactly one of the most memorable A24 films on the planet, and Everything Everywhere All at Once is still king for this year, in my opinion, in terms of A24 films. So, I will just say, as of recently, it feels like A24 is going down this trend of, like, like I said, appealing towards Gen Z and I really hope that they start to hire writers and directors that kind of know how Gen Z talks, or they make it in a subject matter to where you're like, okay, yeah, I totally can dig this movie, because I will admit, there are TV shows out there like Euphoria that do a really good job focusing on Gen Z and Gen Z characters and stuff, and then there are times where A24 tries the same thing, and I'm just kind of like, no, it kind of missed there. But Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is by no means a bad movie. I would recommend you go out and see it, because it is more original than seeing Thor Love and Thunder right now. I gave it a 6 out of 10 also, so I'm going to leave it at that.
the last movie that I'm going to touch on is an Adam Sandler movie, so if you do not care to hear my thoughts on an Adam Sandler movie, go ahead and click off. But I saw Adam Sandler's brand new drama, technically, I guess is what you call it, Hustle, and I will admit, this movie is actually good. I was actually kind of impressed by it. Now, here's the thing. Whenever I see the Happy Madison logo and Adam Sandler, I just instantly go, oh god, this is going to be a mess. But, this time around, it actually has some competent directors and writers behind it. It was produced by LeBron James, even Queen Latifah has a uh, dr- producing credit in it. I mean, if felt like it was a movie that was actually a passion project not only from Adam Sandler but from the directors and people working on it because yes this is another basketball centric movie it's not as great as Uncut Gems obviously but it's still a really good basketball centric movie it's all about him playing basically this NBA scout that ends up rising to be a coach and he ends up trying to recruit this overseas recruit that's coming over to play in the NBA and he's trying to form a bond with him basically and it's nice watching their relationship grow and him become an NBA star now here's the thing about the movie itself if you do not like basketball you're definitely going to feel like this movie is not for you, but if you do enjoy basketball, you'll probably get a kick out of this movie because there are NBA players that show up in this movie that have small little cameos. There's even a sequence in the movie that utilizes an entire NBA team and other NBA players and stuff, and unless you really know these players, you're not going to feel some sort of special connection watching this movie or being like, oh yeah, I know who that is, and that's kind of the underlying issue is how niche this movie is to a lot of people, but if you also like really good dramas that are written well, you'll enjoy this because you're rooting for Adam Sandler and this recruit to finally break out and be the extra step this team needs to win a championship. You also understand the stakes of the movie if Adam Sandler doesn't pay it off and neither does the recruit. You also understand that the movie does have times where it needs to be down a little bit and it needs to be serious because I will admit most Happy Madison movies never have downtime for their serious moments. It's always undercut by a really bad joke, but not this time around. It seems like Adam Sandler has grown finally and understands like, wow, I've actually worked on some good films, so I should maybe utilize those good filmmaking techniques and put them in my more recent works, even though I have read that there is a murder mystery too around the corner, so maybe he hasn't learned his lesson, but I digress. This is still a really good little basketball movie, and I will admit if you enjoy basketball, if you like small little dramas, if you like watching Adam Sandler in a good role, you will definitely enjoy this. I give it a 7 out of 10 and i'm gonna leave it at that so that'll conclude this rendition of the quickie podcast like i said the next podcast you'll have to look forward to is the better call saul one with me and fahrenheit all i have to say about the future of this podcast is if there are less frequent podcasts in the next coming months it's not because necessarily like i'm giving up on the podcast it's because either a there isn't really any movies coming out that i want to talk about or b i'm really busy with school and internships that's really the only two reasons that i would list as to why there wouldn't be podcasts coming out as frequently in the fall and i would say for the most part if you guys really do enjoy this podcast or if you want to hear my takes on any other movies that I see that I don't talk about on the podcast feel free to follow my letterbox it's bacon pants 13 I don't believe there's any capital letters in there maybe the b and p but if you're looking for the profile pic it's Mike Stalaska from red letter media with a Hawaiian hat with a Hawaiian shirt and a straw hat on so that's the one you'll have to look for if you want to follow me on letterbox but like I said I'm going to plug my letterbox because that's definitely where I also put my first fresh movie reviews and then I usually go to this podcast and do it after But anyways, thank you guys so much for listening to this rendition of the Quickie Podcast. I shall see you next time.